I begin with an apology and I begin with a question. This sermon needs to be preached by a woman who has born and birthed children. The sermon also needs to be preached by such a woman who also has some theological and pastoral insights and experience. Therefore, let me start with an apology that I am biologically unqualified to preach this sermon. But here we go. The question, how old was Mary, who was to be the mother of Jesus, when she received the news that she was to have a son and to name him Jesus? Many believe that she would have been a teenager, maybe 16 or 17 years of age. Many people also believe that Mary was the member of a religious group in Judea who were known as the quiet in the land, a group of pious, gentle people whose aim was to follow God and practice the commandments as best they could. It was to this quiet, young, pious woman that the news came that she was to give birth to a son and give him a particular name, Jesus. Now Mary had an older relative, Elizabeth, who was in a pretty bad way, really. She was pregnant for the first time and was maybe in her 40s for this momentous event. How would a 40-year-old, without all the help of modern hospitals, specialists, drugs gynaecologists and postnatal assistants bring a healthy baby into the world. And what was more, her husband was in a bad way as well. He was an older man, but he had lost the power of speech ever since he had some dramatic experience in the temple where he ministered as a priest. Maybe he was unemployed After all, what good was a priest who couldn't speak aloud, couldn't read the Torah aloud, couldn't preach a sermon aloud and could not give advice aloud? Mary received some sort of indication that she should visit this older relative of hers. The message was, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now our gospel reading this morning began this way. Mary set off in those days and hurried to the hill country to a city in Judah and greeted Elizabeth. Almost as soon as she heard the news, Mary set off. And there was Elizabeth, six months pregnant, probably feeling as unglamorous as anything, but how would I know? I'm a bloke. And her young relative said something like, hello, Elizabeth, peace be with you. It was a very typical Middle Eastern greeting. Why should that have caused the unborn baby in Elizabeth's womb to become very active just then? We'll never know. What we need is that biologically qualified preacher I mentioned earlier. And another question, 
How pregnant was Mary when she greeted Elizabeth? She was hardly pregnant at all. And yet, and yet Elizabeth realised that Mary was pregnant. For Elizabeth said, And why should I be so fortunate that the mother of my Lord should visit me? How did Elizabeth know? Please, please, let's have that biologically qualified preacher. It's a mystery to me and to most blokes, I think. But, but what do we make out of all this, out of such a basic human story? Can we see any lessons for us in the 21st century? I think we can, and I think that there are two things that we can, we can glean from all this. The first is this. As young as Mary was, as soon as she realised her relative, dear old Elizabeth, 40s, Dear old Elizabeth needed companionship and a bit of comfort. Mary was there. In her culture and in her community, Elizabeth would have been regarded as an oddity, being the age she was and being as pregnant for the first time as she was. Most first-time mothers would have been far closer to Mary's age than to Elizabeth's. But there was young Mary, maybe unfazed by the stares and the glares of the other woman in the Judean town. There was young Mary, maybe with no words to say, but with a physical supportive presence to lend to Elizabeth in her most unusual circumstances. Throughout the Bible, we see examples of human comfort Maybe no words of deep significance and insight, but simply a pastoral presence, a companionable silence, a gentle and kind attention. When you think about that other thief on the cross at Calvary, he was that sort of presence for Jesus in Jesus' extremity. Or think about the disciples who simply walked the road with Jesus and kept in company, and about whom we know so little. Thaddeus, James the Younger, the other Judas, Bartholomew. They were just there, a pastoral presence for Jesus, companionably silent for Jesus, and kindly attentive for Jesus. Maybe you've had such a friend, Maybe you've had such a relative. Maybe you've had such a colleague who came to be with you in your tough time. They didn't preach. They did not give advice. They were just there. And that was enough for you. A pastoral, companionable presence. And perhaps you've been that too for someone else. You dreaded the thought of going to see them because you had no idea what to say but it was your hug. It was your just being there that they needed and appreciated. It hardly seems spiritual at all, and yet it is deeply spiritual because it is your spirit that is sympathising with their spirit. And that's what Mary did for Elizabeth. 
And the second thing, was it a medical reason that caused Elizabeth's baby to heave dramatically when Mary spoke? I don't know. But Elizabeth saw that as a sign, a sign that her unborn baby was recognising the majesty of the tiny fetus that was forming in Mary's womb. The baby leaped in my womb for joy, said Elizabeth. Now, I'm going to walk on controversial ground right now. Do we get signs of things? Do we we receive insights about circumstances? Do we get hunches that turn out to be correct? Elizabeth's hunch about the life form in Mary's womb was absolutely spot on. I think we can, and I think that we do receive such insights and signs from time to time. Not often. It's not as though we are psychics or anything like that. We have no crystal ball. We have no mumbo-jumbo. Such insights are for us to experience when they occur, to recognise them for what they are, to mull over and maybe maybe share them with someone we trust and feel confident in. So I said, it's a really controversial area. But we must never allow our faith to be so cerebral, so brainy, that it is not ever experiential. It's never hearty. We must not allow our faith to be so experiential, on the other hand, that it is unbalanced and unhelpful. Flashes of insight do come to us about all sorts of things and about all sorts of people. And we must accept the insight for what it is, a flash of understanding that we have and that we treasure, but don't impose on anyone else. It's a very private area of faith. It's not a public doctrine to be proclaimed. Mary and Elizabeth an example of pastoral presence and companionable care that we do well to follow and an example of flashing insight that we do well to appreciate. And so now we come to our second song which we don't know. But it is a song chosen because it is about Mary. And I'm told that the chorus is reasonably easy to pick up. So just to make that embarrassed, I wish I wasn't doing this hum that we all do when we don't know the words and the tune. But appreciate what they say and how they fit in with the reading and maybe what I've said and that they're about Mary and what we're thinking about today. So that's how we